Dr. Dyke Drummond here at the home of TheHappyMD.com in beautiful Seattle, Washington. Welcome to the latest episode of the Physicians on Purpose podcast. Tools so you can recognize and prevent your own burnout. Stories of burnout put to its highest and best use and wellness leadership strategies. Everything you need to be a physician on purpose. Hello again, Dr. Dyke Drummond here at the home of thehappymd.com in beautiful Seattle, Washington, with the latest edition of our Physicians on Purpose podcast. I'm jazzed because I love this topic. We're going to talk on the whole episode about gaslighting, what it is, how you can recognize it, what you can do about it. And my guest is Dr. Tracy O'Connell, radiologist who lives in North Carolina, but practices in Eureka, California. What a great hybrid uh, job that is. She's also a, a certified expressive writing facilitator, a Brene, Brene Brown certified daring way facilitator, a coach, a trainer. She's the real deal. And uh, she also loves the topic of gaslighting too. So <laughs> Dr. O'Connell, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. You bet. Now, gaslighting, gaslighting. Now, I know the term comes from an old movie. Let's go ahead and define what gaslighting is. And what we're going to do is show everybody who's listening right now, you've been a victim of this. It's impossible to be human and over the age of six without having been gaslit at least once. So let's talk about how it shows up inside the kind of strange relationships we have with our bosses inside a healthcare organization. So what is gaslighting? Well, gaslighting is a form of bullying. Uh, I think the term has only been coined in the last 10 years or so. Robin Stern, who is at the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence, wrote a book, um, actually I have it here, The Gaslight Effect, um, How to Spot and Survive the Hidden Manipulation Others Use to Control Your Life. Oh, my. It's also, it says, learn, the subtext is learn how to stop letting other people get inside your head, tell you what to think shake your judgment, sabotage your self-esteem. Oh my. So interestingly, she wrote this book more than 10 years ago, but it's taken, you know, it's it's only in the last couple of years that people are throwing around the term gaslighting like all the time. And and people are misusing it too. And so we have to be careful not to do that. My teenage kids will say, you're gaslighting me, you know, when I ask them to do something they don't want to do or, you know, mm -hmm. so you, you have to be careful. And anytime I word or term is used too often, it loses its meaning. And so you're asking the, the definition, you know, it's really a form of psychological manipulation. It's a form of bullying. Bullying, though, is usually something more overt. Like you can see, uh, it's something you can witness happening in a meeting or an interaction with other people. People can see it happening, they can say, wow, yeah, they can feel it too. Or they can see that you're being targeted. It's not something that is, uh, it's, it's, even if they're not there, if you were to relay the event, people could sort of now with the, all the discussion in, in the public eye about what bullying is in schools, and even in the workplace, I think most people generally accept and understand what bullying looks like. But gaslighting is more subtle because it's stealth. It's it's a psychological idea of being that makes you question your own sanity. Your own it makes you paranoid. Uh, it's it's a way of interacting with others that makes you doubt 
things you already know to be true and makes you think maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I thought the grass was green, but actually no, you're so conf- you're so confidently telling me it's blue even if I don't believe it's blue. You're so certain it's blue that I begin to question is it green? Like is this bluegrass? Am I in Kentucky? What, you know, what's what's happening and over time, you know, there's there's sort of three stages. The initial is sort of disbelief like no, you, you know, that's not true. And then there's a second stage of like being defensive, like, no, 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 I'm, I'm definitely sure the grass is green. And the other person, the gaslighter keeps saying, no, it's not. You're absolutely wrong. I don't believe you. No one would believe you. No one would believe what you're saying. That's not happening. And then the third is sort of depression. Like I, I, I give up. Like <laughs> I, I need you to believe me. I know what's right, but now I'm beginning to question: Am I even right at all? Do I even know anything? Gaslighting is a dance that requires two people or two entities. It requires the gaslighter, who needs to be right at all cost, and it requires a gaslighty, somebody who absolutely needs the approval of the gaslighter in order to have the dance. Because when the person says, no, the grass is actually blue, I don't say you're crazy and walk away. Or, you know, and then there are ways to circumvent this, right? If you're the kind of person who's like really comfortable with yourself, really confident, have strong self-worth, a strong core or, you know, inner compass, strong sense of north, you don't need the approval. You don't need the other person to agree with you. They can call it blue. You're like, that's fine. I still see it as green. Yeah. Chuck, you just do you. Okay. If it's blue, whatever you say, man. See you later. (laughs) That's right. So the only way that this dynamic gets set up is when you have the person who insists that it's one way and you have the, the other person who is vulnerable to needing to please or get the approval of or is dependent upon the other person in some way in order to be okay. It sounds like for the most part, this happens in a situation where the two people differ in rank. Yes, it's a power dynamic for sure. And so in a healthcare circumstance, what you would have is also crossed specialties. So for instance, If your non-physician administrator says that procedure A is best for the patient based on some sort of financial membership, and you as the doctor says, no, it's procedure B that's the most important one because that's best given the disease that's going on in the patient, you've got crossed specialties, you've got inequities in rank, and it it can get really, really weird. That's an excellent example, actually, because We've all been there where we, for a while, we believe that we know what's best for the patient. And then if if enough people (laughs) continue to say, either we're not funding that, insurance says we're not paying for that, or this becomes the protocol that this is what's, what's, we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do. We initially get, we can't believe this is happening. We're aghast. And then we're later feeling more like, irate and defensive like you don't know what you're talking about i'm but the more that 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 dynamic gets set up is the more that you defend the more they clamp down and say no we're right 
you're wrong, then eventually you you succumb, right? The person who's been fighting, defending, standing up for what they know is right, even if it's something tiny versus something big, it doesn't have to be a, a major topic. It's subtle. It often starts very subtly where it's a, a minor disagreement, but you, you're clear that at the end you think, am I crazy that I thought we should have ever done it the other way? Like, And that's when you become you know, depressed uh, and feel like giving up or a sense of resignation. So, oh, I know the word I was looking for earlier. Okay. So bullying is an overt form of domination, right? Where everybody in the room sees that I was loudly and aggressively and obnoxiously hostile and domineering on this person. And then I, as the receiver, depending on how I'm wired, could get up in the, in the face of the person who's bullying me, or I could be hurt and go away wounded and cry. And, 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 but I know what happened and anybody else who saw it in the meeting would know too. So we're using, I'm going to use the word overt and then gaslighting is a similar dominance move. That's covert. So when I listen to the way that you talk, when I have my own personal experience, the fundamental thought process or the feeling or the body energy you carry away from a situation where you've been, I guess the word is gaslit, where you've been gaslit. Yeah, gaslighted. I mean, I don't know. Where you've been gaslighted. Have, we can call it whatever you like. <laughs> the, the, the feeling about when you've been gaslighted is what just happened? Am I... Am I missing something? You question yourself. It's covert. It's internal. You start to reflect on yourself. No, I, I'm pretty sure gas is, grass is green, isn't it? Tracy, help me out here. Isn't grass green? Yeah, I, I, um, you know, I, I insist that it's blue and clearly something's wrong with you. Well, hang, hang on a second. I didn't get a Harvard MBA or anything like that. I'm just a simple country doctor, but grass is green. Come on. <laughs> Uh, that, you know, if you're going to keep saying that, like, no one's going to believe you. So I got to, I got to see these patients and I got to treat them like grass is green. Is that what you're telling me? I, when I uh, see my patients, that's what I said. I, I, is there something wrong with you that you can't get what I'm saying? You got to be kidding me. Right. Okay. Whatever. Whatever. Did you not hear me the first time? I mean, what's the problem here? <laughs> where, where, where is the disconnect? Right. Yeah. I guess it's just me. I, I gotta go. Clearly. I'm already I've already 20 minutes behind. Okay. Clearly, so. yes. And now that's your problem. Oh, man. <laughs> how, how are you feeling right now? <laughs> like I want I mean, to punch it's very, you. <laughs> uh, it's very it's very unstabilizing, right? It's destabilizing. It really uh it's initially exasperating, but then um there's a real sense of learned helplessness with it, right? And what's so fascinating is this dynamic sets up. I mean, if we're talking here today about medical culture, you know, you've got all the people in medical culture have worked hard to get where they are. They are by default, ambitious, driven, hyper-achieving, people-pleasing, you know, devoted people who can, who are highly functional. And yet uh, what can easily happen, and it can. This, these people, you can be this way in their whole life, and then have this dynamic with one other person, or with a group, or with the entire culture, where you begin to to question. And this is, I, I think, in medical culture too. What's been part of burnout in the conversation is moral injury, right? So, so this is in a way akin to moral injury, where. You are doing things you don't believe you should be doing. 
things against your moral compass, things against your ideals, your values, and yet you're doing them anyway, which I think undermines a release, a sense of, of self. And also, even if everyone around you approves, there's a dissonance with self, with, with an, a knowing and an intuition and an idea of, of self-worth and value that then becomes, it disappears, it erodes, it no longer exists, and you become sort of soulless. But even if you're getting accolades or people around you do approve, there's this unsustainable sense of lacking in confidence, lacking in self-worth, feeling like you don't know what's right or wrong, you don't have courage, and you don't have any joy. Because you're not autonomous. You're, you're, you're being even rewarded, but you don't trust yourself at all. Yep. And rewarded, paid, be, pay, benefits, stature, that kind of stuff. Social and, capital, and, yes. And it's all, it's all an internally consistent reality. I call being a doctor like stepping into your own private whirlwind. The thing about the whirlwind is it's a, it's a hall of mirrors. It reflects back the internal reality of the practice. And what I want everybody to know is if you're feeling disoriented or angry or any sort of negative emotion right now, just listening to us. And the reason you're feeling that way is because that's your day-to-day reality at work. There's a great big red handle in your dominant hand. Pull it and get out of there because this is not normal. It's not healthy. It is an indoctrination in learned helplessness. It's not a healthy situation and there are better workplaces out there. Let's let's just dive one more thing in because I know in our physician support communities, a lot of times what we find is that there are specific individuals that use gaslighting consciously or unconsciously as a standard communication way that they dominate people around them. And I have come to know that a number of those people have been various levels of psychopath. And let's just define a psychopath. A psychopath, there's some great books, by the way, I'll put them in the notes for the show here. Psychopath doesn't appear in the DSM-3 because it was so controversial at the time they were trying to write the, the novel. A psychopath is somebody who doesn't have a conscience, meaning on the inside, they never have a little voice that says to them, you can't say that, or you can't do that. So they'll pretty much say or do anything. And because they don't have a conscience and can't feel empathy for somebody else, they their world is determined in a series of contests, and they must win every conversation and every contest. It's easy to tell a class 10 psychopath. Somebody who is class 10 in those characteristics. We actually have had leaders of the free world that were class 10 psychopaths. However, the kind of person that you see inside a healthcare organization or any other bureaucracy is probably a class three or four psychopath. And those are the ones that are difficult to deal with because they're one of their classic techniques that they use to dominate and maintain their position is gaslighting. They're the best at it. So it's also one of those things where it can be used as a conscious tool by people who don't play well with others. But you were telling me just a little bit ago that some people use the technique without conscious intent. It's a habit of theirs, but they aren't trying to do it. Right. And again, when I learned that, I was surprised because when I 
when I read through the retrospectoscope, see that there were times in my career where I have been gaslighted. I didn't know the term then, uh, so I didn't know what it was, but it was crazy making because it would be these people were quite likable. Like there were, there were definitely some overt bullies. And, and I will say in my career, I really gratefully did not experience bullying um, as in training. I do know plenty of, of people who have plenty of clients who come to me to talk about experiences they're having in training. And, and, and this is the point too, for the audience to understand the way that it shows up in medical culture. I mean, we could seriously talk for, for months about this. But I want to give some examples for people maybe listening and wondering what qualifies. And so it's subtle things like, you know, I'm concerned you're not going to pass your boards. And if someone has no reason to believe that they're not doing well. What are you talking about? uh, um, The example would be, uh, you know, I'm working, everything's going well at work. I'm, everything seems to be fine. I'm getting good evaluations from my different rotations. And then someone says to me, by the water fountain or something, you know what? Um, we're, we're concerned you're not going to pass boards. And then that person thinks, what, what, like, what do they know that I don't know? Right. And so you go through your day, like just being just the proposition of being accused of something that you know counters all evidence uh, is extremely destabilizing. It makes me think of that movie, uh, and it was started off as a TV show as well, of The Fugitive, where, you know, to be, if you remember in the, the more, more recent movie with Harrison Ford, he's a, he's a vascular surgeon accused of murdering his wife. So his wife is dead, brutally murdered, He's being accused of murdering, but he didn't murder her, but he must run. He must be a fugitive to avoid being caught for a crime he didn't commit. Meanwhile, grieving the loss of his spouse and being on the run. And I remember being in like middle school when I saw that movie and thinking, gosh, what could be worse? What could be worse than being accused of something you know you didn't do? But no matter what you do, it reinforces the belief that other people will see you as guilty, right? Oh, you're running. You must have murdered your wife. Uh, it's sort of like the O.J. Simpson trial, right? Like, like just being, well, that may be a little bit not the best example, but, but just being accused of anything makes you feel differently, right, about yourself. You think, what have I done to give, to have someone me in this light. Did I do something? Did I, did I murder my spouse and just not know it? Was I, was I having an out-of-body experience, a fugue state? What happened? So, so these kind of things, other things would be, and this happened to me as a radiologist. I, I remember when I first started in private practice, an orthopedist, because I do musculoskeletal imaging primarily, very nicely, and this was not an example of gaslighting, to be clear, came to the reading room to look at a case And then afterwards, he said, hey, do you have a second? And we went and talked in the hall. And he said, very kindly, would it be possible for you to make your reports a little shorter? (laughs) And I said, oh, I was kind of embarrassed. You know, and he said, I said, oh, are they really long? He was like, they're putting me to sleep. You know, and we kind of and we kind of joked. Right. So that was an overt, helpful feedback. And, And I thought, sure, of course, I can do that. 
What is not helpful is someone like happened to me and my group saying to me, hey, listen, your reports aren't okay. And then I would say, oh, what's wrong with my reports? Well, they're just not okay. They need to be better. And then I would say, well, can you give me an example? Like what are, do you have a report that is wrong? Like I'm not hearing any feedback from referrers that I've made a mistake or that they're, well, they're just not okay. They're not right. They need to be better. You need to do some CME to understand what you're doing more. And so after, you know, months and months of doing all these remedial types of things, and I mean, I went to a very prestigious fellowship and, but there was this underlying theme that no matter what I did, it would still not be, it would not meet the criteria of which were arbitrary. And if I didn't know what was wrong with my reports, there's something wrong with me, you know? And, and what's interesting too, and this is, this is unique maybe to radiology, but, but we know there's been studies data that show like, especially in musculoskeletal imaging with MRI, 82% of the time, there's a difference in opinion. I could even read a case a week ago and read it differently today. They've done studies to show this. So in other words, a, people will say, well, is gaslighting just a difference of opinion? Is it just, I disagree with you? No, it's saying things like, you're wrong. It's not because the surgeon said it was torn and you said it wasn't torn. It's because I looked at it, said it was torn. You looked at it, said it wasn't torn. I'm right. You're wrong. Even though we could, all seven of us could discuss the case and come up with a different reading. Um, So it's just things like that, that make you question (laughs) your intellect, your capability. And yet there isn't really evidence. There's no examples. It's just planting a seed of doubt. Does that make sense? Yeah. And everything is based upon the power of withholding information, right? So if you said, I read this and, and you're wrong. And I said, Chuck, grab the film. Let's look at it. Show me how I'm wrong. And Chuck either refuses to or can't show me the difference in the the makeup of the film that would lead me to believe that I actually made the wrong call on that. Um, I would have to continue to be, uh, to subjugate myself to his will in order to feel bad about that. And um, I'm standing here as a big old white guy, 23-year rugby player. I wouldn't take that shit from Chuck, right? So it's a way to dominate somebody who is already dominatable. Yes. Probably much more common that it would happen to somebody who doesn't look like me, like a woman maybe a brown woman, maybe English isn't her native language, maybe she's young and cute and petite. I mean, all of those things that allow people that have higher status in the discriminatory system, it's probably reasonably easy to say, no, grass is blue, get out of here. And I might take that and live with that and have my experience radically affected by that ability for them to deny reality and me to feel like I can't just walk. Exactly. I mean, so well stated. And I think, again, it's really interesting when you've got people who are otherwise very confident, very cool, very well-trained, who then allow themselves, there's something in that dynamic, what we talked about earlier, the power differential, which really also comes from where you get your self-worth, right? How you deal with, with feeling bad about yourself. Do you have skills inside of you for dealing with shame and shame? You know, do you have shame resilience? Are you able to build yourself back up? 
And like you earlier gave the example, that's hilarious. I love my reports. Have a good day. Right. But if you're in a position where you feel not enough in some way and someone senses that or you have any little bit of self-doubt in you, because we also struggle from imposter syndrome, right? I mean, the sense of not enoughness is not unique to medical culture or medical practitioners. It's a universal human experience where we feel, especially in, in a capitalist country, you know, the, and you can tell someone they're not enough. They're not fast enough. They're not strong enough. They're not smart enough. They're not thin enough. I mean, whatever you want to say, they're not creating enough. They're not reading enough cases in a day. They're not creating enough, generating enough income for the group, whatever it is. It's so easy to make, there's so many insecurities all of us walk around with, even if we've got CVs that look like really impressive, right? We all have our vulnerabilities, our sensitivities, I should say. I'm careful with the word vulnerability because I'm actually a huge vulnerability fan and think we need more and more of it. So I will say, if there's a part of you that feels slightly insecure or has doubt about something and someone picks up on that and uses that to their advantage, that dynamic is set up very, very quickly. And so that's where I believe, I'm starting to believe when I really look at medical culture as a whole, there's the individual relationships between maybe two people, but then there's also this kind of step back view of all of us who are working in medical culture are need approval in a hierarchy, whether it's in a private group or whether it's in an academic center, to get the approval of the people above us in the hierarchy. And so as long as there's somebody needing approval and there's somebody needing to be right, that gaslighting relationship can be set up. Yeah, the places it gets weird is when ranks involved, is is when one specialty um, management is guiding another specialty medicine, when there are structural things like you're an attending and I'm a resident. Or the most evil one I've ever seen where somebody's got your green card. Those are really evil. And the more evil things seem, the more likely the person that you're dealing with who's gaslighting you is a true psychopath. And to the extent that you can get out of there, I encourage you, you don't get what you want in life. You get what you tolerate. So if this sounds familiar, it isn't something you need to tolerate. You can find a healthier workplace. But what we've talked about today is gaslighting, where you come away from the conversation saying, what just happened? Is that for real? How can that be true? No, really? As opposed to wanting to put your dukes up and punch Chuck out because he bullied you outright and everybody could see it. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I think what you just alluded to is the key element, which is which can often really be missing because in medical culture, we often start careers when our brain, our frontal cortex is not fully developed. <laughs> and uh, and so that kind of cult mentality, right? We're, we're, we're really susceptible to just kind of operating in that, that way and don't yet have, unless you've experienced a lot of adversity early in life and have learned to overcome it, uh, you come in as sort of a golden child or have somehow overcome whatever you needed to, to get where you are. And then you get rewarded for that. And like, for example, I talked to a client earlier today who just started a new job as an attending and just had a baby and is feeling really lacking in self-confidence. And and I asked her if there's anybody at work who's undermining her 
confidence. And she said, no, that it's really inside of her. But she also has an internal voice inside of herself that keeps saying, you should be doing better. You're not doing enough. You should be handling this better. This isn't the way we imagined it to be. You must be doing it wrong. And so in an ironic way, we can sort of gaslight ourselves by this duality of what the part of us that needs approval from the outside world or from even our inner critic and the inner critic who is relentless in torturing us. And so it's just so important in in the work that you and I both do and and others out there who may be doubting this phenomenon that that it is overcomable. In other words, you mentioned you don't need to just accept this as standard. I think it's very tricky for those in training who mm-hmm. are being subjugated in some way, whether overt bullying as part of the culture, right? Many cultures just accept that like hazing of just like, this is what you do. I did it. You do it. I'm a fourth year. You're a third year, whatever it is. And everyone just thinks I just need to get through this year. I just need to get my letter of, of approval to, to or my certification to get to the next level. And then I'll deal with this. The problem is that these kind of psychological manipulations continue because they do undermine our own self-doubt and self-confidence. So if we don't do healing work around it, even if you escape the situation, you kind of carry that with you until you have the sensibility to see it for what it is, that it was somehow happening to you and you were participating in the dance. And so some of these things, the solutions to how we get into or even aware of gaslighting is to have conversations like this to just sort of plant the seed of awareness. Hmm, is this normal? Is this not normal? Is this happening? Do I constantly feel like doubt myself at every turn, even though I should know what I'm doing, right? You have to wonder, is gaslighting playing a role in that? What was the question you asked the patient you were just in? If you were, if you're listening and you're wondering if you're being gaslighted, And also, if you feel like maybe you were, and now you don't know how to heal from it or get out of, extricate yourself from a gaslighting situation, it's really important to do this kind of work that that you and I are talking about of of doing work on maintaining your own self-worth, having someone that believes you, right? So that you have people either outside the situation who believe you as opposed to people saying, oh, he didn't mean it. You're just crazy. You're just sensitive. That's just the way he is, or that's the way she always is to not say, oh, okay, that's okay. Right. But to build this kind of social and emotional intelligence and have more transparency So we can have, I mean, I'm an idealist, but have more psychological safety and trust, which is a huge issue I know that you and I've talked about before, of being able to know I'm safe here. If I'm not safe, I have someone I can talk to who isn't going to make me doubt myself. And how do I build my own self-worth up enough so that I'm no longer willing to do the dance? You say the grass is blue. That's your opinion. You know, I'll see you later. And be able to walk away. And again, as a big old white guy, that's probably easier for me to say than anybody who doesn't look just like me. Let me go back again. I want to ask you, you at, you said, and I asked my client this question and you said something like, is there anybody that's not supporting you at work? Wasn't that the question that you asked? Yeah. yeah. I asked, I wanted to know, 
was this perception of her not enoughness, was her lack of self-confidence caused by someone telling her she wasn't doing it in some way or planting seeds of doubt in her? Or was this just that she wasn't meeting her own expectations? Right, right. And then for the listener right now, I'm imagining our conversation here has been a little bit confusing and a little bit complex because of how all these different concepts that you may have heard of, you may be recognizing them in sequence. You've been gaslighted. Imposter syndrome, the little voice that says, what if they find out, right? We've talked about moral injury. We've talked about conversations you have in your head rather than the outside world. This is why it's really important when you take a medical practice and you stick it in a bureaucracy with professional managers to have a place where you can decompress where you can bounce these ideas off other people, to have a community of support with people who get it. That is our Burnout Proof MD community where we do two hours of coaching every week. So I'll put the link down for our Burnout Proof MD community for you. 30-day free trial. So it's totally risk-free to just check it out. And then Dr. O'Connell, tell us where people can reach you on the internet. Well, I have a website, which is my name, T-R-A-C-E-Y-O-C-O-N-N-E-L-L. <laughs> md.com. Com. I'm also, that's the same thing, Tracy O'Connell MD on Instagram and what, LinkedIn. Uh, actually, I think I, my maiden name is also in my Facebook. I'll put the links in the show, in show notes. Holland is my maiden name. But yeah, I think, I think that this is just calling it what it is, raising awareness around it is really what we're trying to do here today. So the people don't question their own sanity. And all of us, I think, are kind of one or two steps away from feeling crazy at any moment. It's just kind of normalize, n- normalizing the struggles so that they don't become defining as you're okay, you're not okay. But really, yeah, you're human and everyone feels this way. And it doesn't, I'm just kind of building up the sense of I'm okay uh, and I'm not alone. And I know bullshit when I hear it. And I know bullshit when I hear it and when I see it. And also when you're recognizing I'm feeling inept to get some support around that and find out, am I inept or do I just think I am because something's happening or someone has accused me of being inept? Got it. Right. Are you a fugitive (laughs) being wrongly accused, but believing it and then constantly undermining yourself and questioning your own skills and sanity or is there something that would be helpful for you to do differently to build up your self-confidence and self-worth? Roger that. Got to take a pause for now. I need to take a breather. So there's there's level one, level one on gaslighting and just how complicated and intricate a subject it is, especially with our inner dialogue. And this has been Dr. Tracy O'Connell, TracyO'ConnellMD.com and Dyke Drummond at the home of the Happy MD in beautiful Seattle. I'll see you on the next Physicians on Purpose podcast. Until then, keep breathing and have a great rest of your day.